I was thinking of Ernie and all of his sports jokes and things, and something came up, and I thought this was so appropriate. Those of you that don't know, Greg is a goalie. And a few years back, there was an advertisement, and the puck hit the goalie in just the wrong place and knocked him out of the game. And they're searching with the spotlight. Who's it going to land on? And, and the guy's, it's me. And he goes out there, and I don't know how the advertisement ends, but I, I feel that way. Greg's out as a goalie, and here I am. So we'll see. I don't even own a pair of skates. Ah, we'll see how it goes here. Those of you that don't know, I uh, have taught music for years. I still teach privately, and I tune pianos and repair musical instruments. And music's been a big part of my life. I've sung in many choirs and directed choirs and bands, and I still play in a Dixieland band and sing in a choir. And we just finished last night singing at uh, the Pomeroy uh, Lodge in Kananaskis, our quartet. And I've mentioned this before, that our quartet uh, sings at this time of, of year uh, around Banff and other places in Canmore, Lake Louise, Kananaskis. And if you want us for a private function, let me know. No. Um, but it is wonderful to be able to sing beautiful songs, glorifying songs, edifying songs, songs that tell the truth of this season that we're celebrating. And so, Shayla, at the end of the service, if you could put on that very first song we sung, I thought that was so appropriate. I, I really thought that was really nice. Um, so, yes, I'm going to be talking about some musical things. And if you didn't know, our Bible is full of musical things. Um, this year, looking back, has been certainly different. You could say that about every year. In fact, it was a few years ago that I did a, a sermon as well uh, at the end of the year and the beginning of the year in transition. And uh, maybe that's why it's been so long. It took them a long time to... They've forgotten. And so now they've asked me to come back and do it again. But um, the years sometimes fly by. But sometimes the days and the nights, they stretch out. They're hard. And there's been a lot of hard things, not just COVID, which gets all the, the media attention right now. But there's been difficulties. And it's... It's personal, it's corporate, it's countrywide, uh, but there's been some blessings too. And I, I believe that there are always blessings. We just have to put on the right glasses. Now, I'm not saying they're, they feel good, but they are blessings nonetheless. I am taking this position this morning after having been called a couple of hours ago to say, do you have something in your back pocket? Uh, as an opportunity to stretch. Stretching, if you, I'm not into yoga or something, but when my masseuse person tries to stretch, it hurts. And sometimes stretching does hurt, but it is good for us. So looking back on things, looking now on things, looking to the future on things, are you being stretched? Have you been stretched? Have you looked at it as a positive? Change is difficult no matter what. But it is an attitude of gratitude that we can um, grow in us through the Spirit to look on things that God's not unaware of it. He knows what he's taking us through and why. We don't know why sometimes, but he is faithful always. So there's been um, passings this last year. Lots of people 
passing, of course, with COVID and other issues. And I just learned this morning that uh, Reverend Desmond Tutu had passed away at age 90. Who was He was very influential in the South African movement down there. And uh, he's being quoted a lot. Um, how long will people be remembered, like Ernie was saying? Um, we have influence around us. He had influence amongst many people around the world, but we all have influence. And it's not how long we'll be remembered, but it's the connections we make. And scripture teaches us it's those godly connections that will go with us into heaven. There's been some other joys to celebrate, two proposals uh, as well from a couple in our church. And uh, I think you can look back on your life in this past year and see some of the things you can smile about. And I hope so. So I want to thank ahead of time the, the people who've helped me in this sermonette, if you will. Um, Reverend Hauer from the International Development Director from Bridges for Peace. Uh, it's a group that April and I support. And uh, there's a lot to say about musical things and, and there's scientific things as well, not just the feel-good things. So let's jump in here. Have you ever met anyone who didn't like to sing? I have, but they're usually adults. Kids, no problem. But from the adults that I come across, there's that moment in their life when someone shared a hard, I won't say a truth, but a belief that maybe we're going to put you in the back row of the choir or something like that. And so that has stayed with them and they don't like to sing. But as a human, we are made to sing. We are made to move and enjoy um, that which can't sometimes be put into written word. It's sung. The vast majority of the people enjoy singing. Whether they can or can't, they still enjoy it. You might see some people uh, in the car next to you just singing loudly. You know they're in the car. Or maybe in the shower in your house, you'll hear people singing. But we do enjoy. It's different from just speaking poetry or words. Singing is different. Uh, we sing at work. We hum along with uh, other people or the radio all, a lot. Uh, we sing under our breath. And for most humans, making music with our voices is a natural thing. We may be off key at times, but it's still a natural thing. It's almost as natural as breathing. People who say to me, I can't sing, I, I say to them, can you please say that again, but hold out the words, I can't sing. Well, there it is. You're singing, right? It's that sort of idea that it can be done regardless. I mean, I was just singing next to Ernie. It can be done, okay? I've never known anyone to sing everything an octave lower than written, but he did it. It was great. But why is the question, is, is the question, why is it so natural and so universal in all cultures? It shouldn't surprise us that the answer to that question can be found in Scripture. Because we tend to think of the Bible as a rule book, or some of us think of it as a rule book, or a guidebook for life and for the definition of maybe our, our um, theology. We often forget that it is rife with references to making melody with our vocal voices, our vocal cords. When compared to other topics, we might consider spiritual uh, or spiritually significant, the Bible 
the biblical importance of song becomes abundantly clear. Excuse me. Sin. It's a topic that we all know about. How often is it referred to in the Bible? Well, sin, even though it's so critical, appears about 390 times in Scripture. It depends on the translation you have, of course. But depending on that translation, the word love appears 348. 390, 348 for love. And the incredibly important words of fear not can be found about 365 times in Scripture. Singing, however, occurs over 400 times. And 50 of those times are commandments to the reader to lift up his or her voice and sing. Now, the Jewish life is surrounded by song, and so is the Christian life. Remember, we're grafted into that. One of the many similarities we find with Christianity and Judaism is the use of song in worship and in praise. We start our services that way. You go to other churches, it's very similar. Why? We'll get to that at the end. You have to stay tuned. There's a, a very physiological reason for that, as certainly there's the spiritual reason for that. If you've ever attended a Friday evening uh, service uh, at Shabbat, and they're talking about the, um, the Jewish faith right now, or a Sunday morning service, you're aware that it is rife full of songs. Throughout the evening, on that Friday evening, various uh, prayers are spoken and blessings are, are sung as well. At every holiday, from Passover to their Hanukkah or Christmas, and all throughout our calendar, families gather together and rejoice in the Lord and the knowledge of, of, of his goodness through song. The Orthodox uh, Judaism prayer is an integral part of everyday life for those prayers, many of them scripture, quote-unquote, and are all sung. The prayer book is essentially a songbook. As you walk through the streets of Jerusalem, so she says, you realize the song literally permeates the culture. Think about here. Where do you go where there's not Muzak or something blasting through? Um, whether it's in your car where you do have control or the mall where you don't have control, stores and such, it is around us all the time. Song is very important. Thousands of Israelis feel the streets on Jerusalem Day. We think about Canada Day or Fourth of July in the States. All these songs are helping join people together for a purpose. Every day, the street musicians are performing in open markets, as we have here as well. Hymns resonate from Christians, Christian cathedrals, children sing in parks, and of course, in all of the country's popular music blares in the restaurants and coffee shops. All combining to fill the air with constant harmony and song. Some people would say cacophony. How amazing to discover that the lyrics of many of the songs that we sing are heard and heard on the radio. Uh, are in fact giving praise to God, especially at this time of year. I've shared with you before our quartet. Um, we are still able to, to sing in public, go tell it on the mountain. It's, it's wonderful and heartwarming and 
tender. I say tender because it just, sometimes I get choked up thinking that I'm able to sing as loudly as I can, well, within the quartet, uh, these wonderful Christmas songs of the truth. We haven't been shut down yet, and I hope that doesn't happen for a very, very long time. However, last night at the hotel, uh, we asked the, uh, the little coffee shop or the bar over here to turn on their music. We've been doing that for the last week. We've been singing there and uh, no problem. But this was Saturday night. So the guy there hadn't heard it. Well, he had heard us because I've seen him in another restaurant, but he didn't. No, no, people like the music. He didn't turn it down. So we just sang all the louder and the bar kind of lost a lot of people, and they came over to us. So that was really cool. Music reflects who we are. Lyrics that we're listening to, um, sometimes the, the lyrics reveal our heart and our focus. All of the songs, all of our songs are uh, revelatory. They reflect who we are. They reflect our values our experiences. They expose what makes us laugh and what makes us cry. They reveal the tugs on our heartstrings. Often songs tell our personal stories as well, our cultural or country stories. Songs sometimes articulate things that we hold dear in a way that other words or poetry just can't do it. They, the songs, are able to express our thoughts, our feelings, and they have the power to teach. Many Christians give credit to their church hymns for much of the, th the theology that we've learned, as referred to with the songs we were singing before. And it's interesting, too, because some of the verses we don't sing very often. And so it's interesting that someone had sit sat down and gone over and found through scripture words that would try to describe uh, their ideas at the time. But there's many, many verses uh, to songs that maybe six of them, but we don't sing very many of them. We get used to just a few of them. It might be interesting for you guys to rewrite some songs with, with your words from your heart. Songs have the power to unite. Now remember the, the sermon title that I had here was Our Hearts in Union with his, and maybe I didn't share that earlier. Our hearts in union with his is the title. Maybe it's now appropriate that I share that with you. A national anthem, as I mentioned earlier, unites us as a country. A doxology unites us as a denomination. That is certainly true in the Jewish faith as well. Uh, they sing songs of blessing and scriptures that are in song, and they have done this for millennia. Those songs have bound them together as a faith community in the world over, uh, despite all of their um, dispersion and oppression and persecution and anti-Semitism. Sorry about that. Um, songs aren't always joyful. Uh, songs share the heart and the, the history, and that some, sometimes isn't a pretty thing. In the past few decades, a number of scientific studies on the power of singing has been conducted with some pretty startling results. Research 
on stroke victims who were unable to put three words together into a sentence revealed that they could, in fact, sing and do so with such proficiency that they seem perfectly normal. Uh, we know of, I, I'm not a country expert, country singing expert, but the country guy who has a stutter, anybody? I hear my wife telling me who it is, I can't hear her. Anyway, he stutters normally when he speaks, but doesn't do so when he's, now I'm going to get the wrong name, when he sings, it's pretty amazing. I do not know the voice of my grandfathers on both sides of my family. They had strokes and could only use a word or two, and usually they were cuss words and stuff, and I, I never knew. Uh, and they didn't have this knowledge back then that maybe they could sing what they wanted. Amazing. Hmm. Other studies indicate that singing could pr prove to be of significant help in children with autism. Young people who were ordinarily, uh, who could not make eye contact with people or rarely even raise their heads were transformed by song. Standing straight and tall, they were able to look the world in the eye and sing with power and focus. Other studies have shown that singing is beneficial for Alzheimer patients as well. A researcher, Dr. Patel, says music provides a way to access regions of the brain and reawaken memory when language simply won't. I know a number of music, um, oh, I can't think of the term now, but they work in the medical field. Help me out here if you're there. Music um, therapists, thank you, music therapists. And they get to know the person through family or through others that care for them to try to find out you know, where they lived, how old they are, of course, and the music that they might have listened to. And they bring that in to them. And it just awakens memories in these people. And they wake out of the stupor and, and uh, participate. And when you have a family around, let's say, the bed of that person, it joins everyone together in such a beautiful way. What scientists call musical memory has the remarkable ability to maintain act I'm sorry, I'm just going to read that again. What scientists call musical memory has a remarkable ability to remain active in the human brain when all other memory functions fail. Many of us can still remember songs we learned as children, and Bible verses were taught through song. And that's why it's so important and wonderful to be able to learn scripture through song, even as adults. And again, our Bible is full of songs that we read but don't necessarily sing. But there are many. Perhaps Moses had this principle in mind when he taught the Israelites his song, recorded in Deuteronomy 31 and 32 most often thought of as his final discourse to the people before his death, it was imperative that they absorb, absorb and remember every important detail he was revealing to them. He, he would not be with them as they entered the promised land, but he wanted to give them the promises and warnings and instructions to them so that uh, they were critical, these were critical for their success in the new land. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32.21 tells us he taught them his song. Perhaps 
He knew it was a way to ensure that they would never forget. And I'd like to have that up there as it is. And we can read that. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the months of their offsprings. For I know what they are inclined to do even today, before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give them. I now know that I would have a binder next time with hole punches instead of all these sheets. Going back to the research, it's been shown that, that all of the earth does, earth now, does in fact have a song. Even inanimate objects, when studied at a molecular level, have a specific pattern of vibration. Think of crystals. This is a, a vibration or a song that identifies these rocks, trees, flowers, and even the desks you work at in your office or sit at at school. They have a song, but it is only mankind that has the ability to create its own song. Finally, many experts today believe that song was the original language of mankind. Before spoken language, they say, man communi communicated by singing. And I was thinking about this, and uh, Adam was born, for, or created first, and he did a lot of things and named a lot of animals, and, and then he looked at Eve. <laughs> And I think of the song, whoa, whatever the song might have been. I, I'm just thinking that maybe he responded in song. Hubba hubba? I don't know. Um, our God, as you know, is a singer as well. None of this should surprise us, since Scripture makes it clear that God, who created all things, things is passionate about singing. In Psalm 96, we can read, and we are enjoined to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song and tell of his salvation from day to day. It is on the screen now. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. I've heard it said before that, you know, I want to, I'm not really outgoing. I just live my life and, and as a Christian, and I hope people will see that and be influenced by that. Yeah, that's, that's an excuse. That's weak. That's not stretching. We're to be singing our life, our history, God's work in our lives to others. Just a thought. This psalm instructs us to sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to the king, sing praises. Get the idea? Those are only four of dozens of verses in the book of Psalms that specifically instruct us to sing to God. The epistles, too, in the New Testament, well, there we will find similar instructions, such as Ephesians 5.19, which says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. 
And then also in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Both of these Encourage believers to sing to one another, greeting each other with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. So when we leave here today, oh, no, I won't go. Consider it. The prophet Zephaniah tells us that God himself is a singer. Zephaniah 3.17. I want to quote that as well. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Now, going back to Ernie and the sports thing. You've seen those parents on the sidelines, right? Or in the bleachers, right? And they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that kind of like a song? I mean, rock and roll is yelling. No, no, I don't want to go there. But but there's some song in that, right? Right. Oh, Oh, lost my place here. Uh, There are also references in the Gospels uh, where Jesus himself is lifting his voice in song. And the the writings of the apostles tells us that we are in fact filled with the Spirit of the Lord and we will make melody in our hearts to him. As I mentioned before, not all songs express joy or exult in victory. Many psalms express, express the deepest anguish of the human soul, crying out to God for deliverance from evil, for release from pain. Some even seem to challenge God himself, wondering why he has forsaken his children or how long he will allow suffering to continue. In Psalm 6, David cries out to the Lord, My soul is in deep anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? Our God desires open communication. Open communication with our God. Let's not take that for granted. He welcomes our praises, of course, but longing for us to also bring him our hurts and our disappointments as well. Sing to the Lord, however that comes out. Clearly, the tradition of singing praises to the Lord has its roots in the Word of God and has been a part of his relationship with mankind for thousands of years. The prophets and the poets of ancient Israel sang songs of joy and victory, mourning and lament. God's people rejoiced with songs and encouraged each other and generations of people with melodies of victory and mercy. With the birth of Christianity, that Hebraic tradition became part of our heritage as well and permeated Christian worship ever since. From the early church of Augustine to Martin Luther to John Wesley to Jonathan Edwards and so many others, I think taking aside here of Fanny Crosby, just talking with another musician the other day, They thought that she, being blind, who wrote wonderful hymns to glorify God, wrote over 
thousand of them. That's what they said. That was the number. Don't quote me. I haven't looked it up. But that's a lot of praise songs. Amazing. Well, these pillars, if you will, of the song era, singing praises to the Lord, uh, have allowed us to have that centrality and union in singing. John Wesley is quoted as saying, Sing lustily to the Lord and with good courage. Beware of singing, interesting, beware of singing as if you're half dead or half asleep. <clears throat> Lift up your voice with strength. I had never heard that quote of him. The importance of song in all cultures is certainly apparent, but it is beautifully illustrated in Judaism uh, through the list of what they call ten songs. This is something I had learned recently, and uh, I want to share just a little bit of it with you, these groupings of ten songs. These songs are not mere melodies, but the only songs ever written that recount the history of the Jewish people in perfect harmony with all creation and were composed to honor the Lord of the universe. The first one is Psalm 92 and is entitled, A Song for the Sabbath. Uh, I encourage you to read that at some point. Uh, it is a little on the longer side, but Psalm 32. Jewish tradition tells us this song was first sung by Adam on the day creation was completed. The second of these songs is called Song of the Sea. It is found in Exodus 14.30 through 15.19. And it was originally sung by the Hebrew followers uh, as they were following their deliverance from Egypt to the uh, destruction of Pharaoh and his armies. It was a spontaneous outburst of joy at the realization that their God had kept his promise and brought them to freedom. The third of these songs is found in Numbers 21, verses 16 to 18, which I would like to read. We are told that God instructs Moses to gather all the people together. Verses 16 through 18 of Numbers chapter 21. And from there they continued to bear that is the well of which the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together so that I may give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up a well, sing to it, the well that the princes made and the nobles of the people dug with their scepter and with their staves. I remember growing up singing a song, Sing up a well, as well as a kid. I don't remember it well, but it was there. Song number four is actually the 32nd chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. It was written by Moses. It was the final declaration to the Israelites before his death. Since he could no longer accompany them, the people into the promised land, it was imperative that he impart to this generation the first generation in over 400 years to have freedom, the promises and warnings and instructions of the Lord. They were critical for their survival. They recounted the history and encouraged hope. Moses taught this song to the people so that they would remember it and pass it along to succeeding generations. Song 5 recounts the incredible story of Joshua's conquest of Canaan found in Joshua chapter 10. Now, I want to 
veer off just to wake you up a little bit instead of just reading through all of these things. History is a big part of what I'm teaching when I teach uh, music. Because to understand when a piece of music is written, it's, it's trying to say something about what's happening. And no doubt there's been and will be more songs about coronavirus and all this stuff. Um, but we can look back in our short time here on earth and think of songs that uh, meant something to us growing up, going back further and further and further. The history that is so powerfully taught through song is so important. And you know, learning scripture, Joshua chapter 10, I encourage you to take a look at it. God heard Joshua's prayer and answered by causing the sun to stand still. If you don't know that story, you need to check it out in chapter 10 of Joshua. This miracle enabled Joshua's armies to defeat the Canaanites and enter the land, where they then distributed the land amongst the tribes of Israel. The sixth song is that of Deborah, and was the first song sung by the prophetess herself. This is found in Judges 4, verse 4, and all the way through chapter 5, verse 31. The song recounts the defeat of the Canaanite armies yet again, this time under the leadership of Sesra. Deborah sings of Yale, a Hebrew woman, who, who turned the tide of battle and secured the victory by single-handedly single killing the king Sisera, leaving the Canaanite armies without a leader. I'm sorry to laugh because it is just a bizarre story. You've got to check that out in Judges chapter 4. Uh, a, a tent peg was used. Uh, I won't go further into that. You can check it out. The Song of Hannah, found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1-10, through 10 is another of the songs in their list. In the throes of despondency, because of her barrenness, Hannah prays to the Lord for a son, confirming her pain, confiding, excuse me, her pain and humiliation, and begging the Lord his, to mercifully intervene in her circumstances. God hears and blesses her with a son, Samuel, one of the greatest figures in Jewish history. The eighth song is called Song of David. It is found in the second book of Samuel, chapter 22, and it repeats Psalm 18. It is an incredible song of praise and declaration of faith in the power of faithfulness of God as David looks back over his life, recounting the desperate situations he found himself in during the, his long and varied career. David dedicates the song to God, to whom he owes his very life as we do. The ninth song is called Song of Songs, and it's in our Bible as a complete collection, a book. It is one of the most beautiful examples of Hebrew poetry ever written and is beloved by Judaism and Christianity alike. One of the five scrolls, that's what it is, this song is sung every Passover. It is considered an allegory using the example of a relationship between a man and a woman to describe the love relationship between God and Israel. On a side note, April and I thought this would be a great thing to read together before we got married. Probably not. It should be read after you're married. Just saying. The tenth song is called A New Song, or a song that is yet to be sung. It is the song of the Messiah, 
and it will be on the lips of all of the people when the Messiah appears on the earth. It is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7, and chapter 26, verse 1. It is a song by which all the earth will step from this realm into the eternal. For many of us as Christians, this song may be reminiscent of the book of Revelation, where we see the events surrounding the coming of the Messiah revealed. There are 27 songs in the book of Revelation, two of the most important of which were referred to in chapter 15. Here we find those who have had victory over God's enemies standing around the sea. Scripture tells us they are singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Traditionally, Christianity has viewed this verse, uh, which is uh, verse 3 of chapter 15, to indicate that these are two separate songs. But maybe we can consider them, perhaps, conceptually, not two songs, but one song. Most translations of the Bible separate the two by just a comma, but of course the punctuation wasn't used back then and did not exist even in the original manuscripts. Perhaps God is sending a very important message here that we have missed. Perhaps he is telling us that the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb are his song, one song in which his people have repeatedly cried out, The enemy is vanquished, and we are redeemed. And our redemption has come only by the incredible power and mercy of our great God. And we sing because, why? There are many reasons that can be given for singing. We sing when we are happy, when we are sad, when we are victorious, when we have been even defeated. We sing when we are overwhelmed by temptation, and when we are overflowing with joy. A side note as well. I know someone who did their thesis on songs that were sung, if you want to call it that, and she did, for people who had just found out that a loved one had passed. It was the, the wailing of those individuals. And it was international. It was a powerful paper that was written, and it was very telling. We sing out of obedience to God's passionate instructions to us, to lift our voices to him in praise. We sing to raise our own spirits and to encourage those around us. We sing as a a weapon of spiritual warfare, and to be spiritually strengthened for trial. We sing as a pathway to joy and certainly as a means to glorify God. And as the old hymn says, we sing for we cannot be silent. But possibly there's some other reasons, and I think there are, of why we sing. And it's more physiological, as I mentioned before. Perhaps the most profound of all is when scientists come up and tell the world that singing is good. Scientists were uh, mentioned earlier, and um, in addition to the research that I mentioned already, they discovered that singing has many beneficial effects on the body. 
perhaps because it encourages the production of endorphins, the feel-good hormone that uh, reduces anxiety and stress and causes us to feel content and even happy. It also causes an increase in the production of oxycotton, another hormone that we have heard a lot about, that reduces feelings of loneliness and depression and enhances feelings of trust and bonding. Trust and bonding. Think of yourself, your family, your schoolmates, your workmates, the nation, the church family. Trust and bonding. Song brings us unity. They also have discovered that singing tends to regulate heart rhythm. We talked about this uh, many years ago, a choir that I directed and later sung in. Um, and this scientific study came up and we read it there. And it's, it is quite fascinating. Studies have revealed that all of these benefits are magnified when we engage in group singing. Studies were conducted in which choir members were fitted with heart monitors before they began singing. Heart rates vary greatly depending on the health of the individual and various of the members and other factors. However, once the singing started, the heart rates began to regulate. And as the voices came into sync, so did the heart rates of the singers. Their heart, hearts beat in unison in relation to the speed of their breathing. Heart rates were directly affected by the melody of the music, and the pulses of those tested rose and fell at exactly the same rate as they sang together. I was a swimmer in high school, and I can tell you that when you're doing the, the dash, your heart rate goes way up. And as a skilled, which I wasn't, a swimmer or athlete, your heart gets tuned to that. And I'm sure that with athletes, there's something similar for them individually as to the range of heart rates. But to have them in sync and in unity, that's pretty amazing. Some doctors are actually recommending, finally, that uh, choir and choral singing as a therapy for patients. And experts have decided that the healthiest thing a person can do for themselves is to join the local choir. Amen. Oh, yeah, okay. So now that we're coming into 2022, Greg wanted me to tell you that he will start a choir. No, I'm just kidding, Greg. Just kidding. Church choir. Remember when we used to have the church choirs up on the stage? Yeah, I miss that too. Now let us consider that the vast majority of those 400-plus scriptures that refer to singing are speaking, the vast majority of them, of corporate or together singing. Most of these verses are not encouraging us to enter our prayer closets and lift our voices alone, although there's certainly a time for that as well, and that's not a bad thing. Songs were composed for use in the sanctuary in public worship. King Hezekiah confirmed this viewpoint when he revived the true worship of God and required the singing of praises to the Lord with the words of David and as Asaph the seer in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. He did so according to the commandment of David and of Gad the king's seer and of Nathan the prophet, for the commandment was from the Lord through the prophets, 2 Chronicles 29-25. Therefore, the Psalms 
specifically were written to pass down, not principally for private worship or devotion, but for public worship. As historian Philip Schaff indicates, the Psalter is the first hymn book of the church and will outlive all other hymn books. And not just the Psalms, of course. Moses, King Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, Ezra, Nehemiah, Paul, Peter, James, and many other leaders understood the importance of corporate worship, corporate singing. Consider one of Jesus' last acts before entering the Garden of Gethsemane to prepare for the incredibly difficult events that were on the horizon for him and his followers. And this is from Matthew 26.30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. There are a few times I've wondered about Jesus' voice. Did he sing tenor? Did he sing bass? You know, little things like that. And I wonder which hymn they sang. Now, this was Passover, so maybe it was a kind of a prearranged thing, or maybe Jesus has a favorite song. Our quartet asks oftentimes the audience if they have a favorite song. We don't have all the songs in our, our repertoire. But people will come up with a song, and, and there's a reason. We don't know that reason. And we sing it. And many times, there's some tears. Last week, up at the top of Sulphur, on the fourth floor, where you can get a picture with Santa, we made Santa cry. And last night, it happens often, and last night was no exception. And we sing through their tears, but we finished it, and I said to my alto next to me, you know, that one really hit me too. You can sing them again and again. We can read scripture again and again, but sometimes it just speaks to us. We need to allow time for that. God desires oneness with us. He desires that our hearts beat in unison with his. And without unity among ourselves, that isn't likely to happen. So he has commanded us to sing together and programmed our bodies to respond with feelings of trust and bonding, unity and oneness even on the deepest physical level. Each time we lift our voices together in praise of him, we create a beautiful triangle of oneness with him, us, and with those with whom we sing. It's a union. Our hearts beating together in oneness with his. What a concept. It's much like the three chords, and I don't mean musical chords, but three strands uh, that are not easily broken. The creator of the universe has fashioned us to sing. And so we do. In the shower, like I said, in the car, in the supermarket. But most importantly, of all, we sing together. Let's pray. 
Father, you've given us so many gifts, and this is a season where we have certainly been thinking of gift giving and gift receiving and those types of things, but knowing that your gift to us is the most important and the one we wish to hold high and of first priority. We thank you for bringing us through change, difficult times, hard times, painful times. We thank you for your blessings every morning, every day. We thank you for teaching us through your spirit. And we pray for those that are around us, that they not only see us living near our faith, but that they hear it too. And all the more if it's in song. We ask you to continue to touch Greg's body and heal him. And we are looking forward to hearing Jim next week, who will be sharing from your word as well to us. May every day, every week, be spiritual food for us as we learn more about you through your word and through others. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. Thank you for going along with the flow today. And uh, I encourage you to, with masks on, uh, get to meet one another. And those of you at home, thank you again for sharing with us and being with us. Goodbye. Breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone And mercy fills the streets To look upon The one who bled to save me And walk with him For all eternity There